0: I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. I first met Felicity Palmateer, or Flick as she's known, back in 2015. And that was right after she'd ridden the biggest wave ever surfed by an Australian woman out of Kalbombi in Western Australia. Now, Flick, she is your quintessential Australian surfer girl. She is warm, she's fun, friendly, and sincere yet place her at the edge of a 30-foot monster wave and she is something else completely. She is fearless and brave, with pure adrenaline pumping through her body. It's incredible what she does, and more importantly, how she keeps her emotions in check in such dangerous and potentially life-threatening situations. Since I first met Flick in 2015, she's gone on to conquer even bigger surf and break even bigger boundaries. In 2016, she was part of the first group of women to compete at the World Surf League's big wave competition out of the notorious break of Jaws in Maui. In 2019, she finished second. Flick started surfing as a kid growing up in Western Australia.
1: My family's a pretty beach oriented family. My dad surfed and... Uh, he still surfs now. He's more stoked than me to go surfing. Um, and, yeah, he just took me down to the beach. Um, we'd go down there every day with my brothers. And I know that he wanted my brothers to learn how to surf, so he was always taking them out. And um, I was looking at that and I was like, oh, I want to have a go. You know, I want to have a try at that. So I took out one of my bodyboards that I had on the beach and I was, um, yeah, just catching pieces of foam and trying to stand up on that. My dad looked over and he's like, oh, crap, I better teach my daughter to surf. <laughs> and so... I remember I didn't have a wetsuit at that stage. I remember looking around and everyone had wetsuits. And I was like, I really want one of those wetsuits, Dad. And he was like, I'll get you a wetsuit if you come surfing with me every morning. And so this was when I was six and I just remember I was like, right, I want a wetsuit so badly that I'm going to go for a surf with you every morning. So I just thought it was really cool.
0: That's really cool.
1: And anyway, so I went surfing with him and he got me a wetsuit and then I got better and better. And um, I think I've always had that kind of spirit, that fighting kind of, go-get spirit inside of me from a pretty young age. Uh, Western Australia is also renowned for its bigger, more powerful surf. And I guess that's one of my inspirations for learning how to surf big. My love for big wave surfing is, yeah, just Western Australia and its coastlines and the waves that are around there. So it was just like a natural progression, I guess. And my dad loves waves with more power. So he started taking me out to surf, you know, where sometimes I was like the only female in the water, Mm in this, like, sea of hardened Aussie men and um, sometimes I really didn't want to be out there, you know, and my dad was like, no, we're going out, you (laughs) know. And, yeah, I'd be 10 years old and it'd be 10 foot and these guys, you know, out in these waves down in Margaret River and it'd be really powerful. And Sometimes I knew I was like, I don't even want to be out here. But now I can look back and thank my dad for that. (laughs) Um, It's really funny now because... Uh, competing at some of the biggest waves in the world, Jaws and, you know, even in Margaret River surfing, Cowbombie, you know, before Mm. all of these events now my dad is seriously questioning what I'm doing and saying, are you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, hey, dad, you're you're the one that got me into this, (laughs) you know. So it's a bit funny. Um, So every time, you know, it's like I'm going, I don't know, it's like um, I'm going to die or something. That's a, in from his opinion when I go to these events. So, it's so he gets funny.
0: scared as a dad even though he was the one that was pushing like his little 10-year-old into that big swell. Oh, yeah, definitely. He, I think he looks at
1: that. I don't think he ever thought that I would take it as far as what I did in big wave surfing. Um, I think he thought that I would just stick to competitive shoreboard. But for some reason I just like ha- caught this bug inside of me and really what happened is that I... <sighs> Fell out of love with competing and just thought of that Mm. competing on the qualifying series, which is a number of events throughout the year in really small, a lot of the time, average waves. Mm. And that for me wasn't why I started surfing. It wasn't why I love surfing. Mm. And I just fell myself falling out of love with it. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something that makes me feel alive again. And that's how I got
0: into it. Like you are fearless in a surf, but did that fearlessness come into other areas of your life when you were growing up? Were you always the one like that could just scale the highest wall at the park or or go want to do, I don't know, 360s on the swings Uh, or something
1: like that? Anything active, I'd always want to give it a crack and I'd always want to give it a go. In terms of other things in life, maybe not so much. And I don't like heights. I hate heights, which is super weird. You because hate it, heights? Oh, yeah. How does
0: that even work when you're I on don't. these massive walls of water all the time?
1: I don't know. It's so strange, you know, and I've trying to work and I, hate, I hated flying for so long and I still am trying to get over that, wow. which is weird because my job is like constantly, involves me constantly being on planes. So... What I came up with this year, actually, I'm not even kidding you, is that I want to get my helicopter pilot's license. Really? Yes, and I'm saying it here, so the more I say it, the more it's going to happen. Flying scares you? Well, yes. So I was like, I you want to be a pilot? Yes. (laughs) Um, And anyway, I think, but I I say I don't know if I really in. Yeah, struggled in maths. I struggled in English academically. I it was hard for me, Um, but probably because I. Didn't want to be there. I just wanted to be at the beach, honestly, mm. and because because I didn't want to be there, I probably wasn't applying myself. So I'm hoping that when it comes to <laughs> becoming <a> helicopter pilot, <laughs> I'll apply myself.
0: <laughs> let's um, let's backtrack a little bit. When you were a kid and when you were were surfing, you said before that there weren't that many girls out in the surf. Um, was that across the board, or was that just in 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 big surf? Were there many girls that were that were surfing when you uh, were little?
1: Growing up there was a really small handful of girls in Western Australia that surfed. I'm really good friends. A couple of my friends, Michaela and Eliza Green. I I grew up surfing with Mm -hmm. them and we were friends before we were competing. So we had, we have a really good relationship still now. Like some of my best friends, um, and they compete both now too. Um, so there's about like five girls or something that did all the contests in WA, pretty familiar faces. And, but in the, in, when you go in for a surf every day, you're pretty much the only girl. Times have changed now and Mm. it's so good to see there's so many little girls ripping hmm. out there today and it's it's awesome. It's inspiring to me. and um, But, yeah, growing up, no, and especially big waves, no way. Hmm. And I feel like we're at the forefront right now. Like there's a ha- small handful of women and we are leading the charge for women's hmm. big wave surfing.
0: Were there any then female surfers that you looked up to at all?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. One of my biggest idols was like, like she still is today, May like Beachley. <laughs> I remember... Meeting her for the first time. It was during uh, one of the contests in Margaret River, Margaret River Pro. Mm-hmm. And we go down every year because I was obsessed with her and just wanted to get a photo with her and an autograph. And I remember she, um, I, I saw her, she came in from her heat. She just won her heat. She was walking up the stairs at Margaret River and I was like, oh my God, that's her. My <laughs> dad was like, go over, go on, like say hi and tell her your name and tell How her. How old you-
0: were you at this age?
1: Oh, I would have been like 11 yeah. or something, or t- 12 maybe. And Dad's like, go and say hi and tell her your name and stuff. I went over. I was like, hi, my name's Felicity and (laughs) i really look up to you. And she's like, oh, cool. And she's like, okay. I had this uh, poster of her from a magazine, which I Mm -hmm. ripped out. I got her to sign it. She said, to Felicity, set your goals, live your dreams, Lane Beachley. And I got that framed and it sat beside my bedside table Mm -hmm. from up until the age of like, I i'm not even kidding you 18 until i left home and it was like the first thing in the morning i'd see it last thing at night i'd see it and it was there and i remember the day that i properly got to meet lane i think i actually when was it? i forget but i met her mm-hmm. and like now i can say she's one of my friends which is super mm. weird and with a lot of these girls too like that i looked look up to i had posters of them all over my walls and then the day when you start competing against these girls it's just like wow this is really happening you know like it's, it's almost surreal. Do you still so, have that poster? From yeah my, <laughs> yeah, my dad has it. He's like biggest number one fan ever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, he is so he still has it. So was it
0: Lane then that inspired you to start competing and when did you start competing?
1: Um, so I started competing when I was twelve and uh, I didn't start surfing to become a professional surfer. Mm-hmm. I started surf like I think a lot of surfers. I, th- I started surfing because, my dad was doing it and it was the best time ever at the beach. He got to hang out with my family. Um, it's that pure, you know, that tap into that pure source nature and these amazing experiences that you get to have out there and those feelings of being totally free. And when I was 12, I I don't know how I found out, but there was a surf contest at my local beach, Trigg Beach, and I was like, wow, like this is a comp and you can surf in it. And I was like, I want to do that. Mm. Dad, can I do this? And he was like, no. I was like, what? He's like, nah, I don't know. And turns out he didn't really want me to do it because he didn't want me to enter this event and lose. And then if I lost that, I'd hate surfing. And then, uh, you know, I'd, he'd lose his surfing buddy. Mm. So I entered myself <laughs> and I actually won. And I'm always, and I know I'm competitive. And since then it was just like, right, I can make a career out of this as well, as well as doing what I
0: love. So that was the that was the start. And you were signed quite early to a surfing brand? Yeah. Because that happens I'm, with a lot of talented, they get signed really, really early. Yeah. Oh yes. It's out of control these days, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just like they're born and they're like, right, okay, we're signing you. <laughs> Got good genes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially That'll if do. you're like the your dad or your mum was like already part of the surfing industry, like, okay, these kids signing to sign be amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> poor kid wants to be a ballerina. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, but I was pretty young, was really young still, like 13 or something, and um, mm-hmm. I got picked up actually by Rip Curl first, and mm-hmm. I was with them for a couple of years, and they were giving me product and um, a bit of incentive if I did well in contests and stuff. And then when I was 14 years old, we had the team manager from Billabong fly out to Western Australia for this event that Taj Barrow puts on, mm-hmm. called the Taj Barrow Small Fries. She flew over and she said, hey, look, we, we're looking for a girl from WA, and um would you want to switch from to uh, Billabong? And I was like, oh <laughs> at my the God. age of
0: fourteen. Well, let no, me just get such, my manager. Such a big decision. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> my my dad was yeah. was my manager back then. And um, anyway, and because of Lane, and she was on Billabong at that. Well, she was, ah. I think, still on Billabong maybe then. And that was that was the goal. I was like, oh. I am on for the long. I was yeah. like, yes, <laughs> where do I sign? <laughs> and so um, I've been with them now still to this day and I'm pretty lucky to have them. They've um, supported my pretty much my whole career and, yeah, it's been a good relationship.
0: Yeah, and then um, when is it that you then knew that big wave surfing and doing that professionally was something you want to do? Because I feel like I, I know the, the flick story from when she was young to... 2015 with Cowbombie. Yeah. What happened in between? Because we'll get to Cow Bobby. Okay. I finished school uh, in Perth and
1: I guess I pretty much went pro at about that time. I started traveling around doing the QS and I actually finished uh, for two years in a first year, uh, second year doing the QS. I think I finished one spot short of qualifying, mm. which at that time of your life when your whole, when surfing is your identity, and that's what you place all your value on. It's devastating to become that close and not really get there. Mm. So that year. Uh, what year was that? I would have been 19, I think. Yeah. And to be honest, looking back on it now, and I even said it to my dad the year that it happened, a few months after, I was like, look, I don't really think I was actually ready, even mentally, mm. uh, just because I was quite young. I know I, was, I know I was young and I was probably immature. But, yeah, it's hard. It's hard when that's everything. It's everything to you and you miss out so I was one spot short of qualifying Chelsea Georgeson at the time she'd just gotten pregnant and she mm-hmm. was on tour and so she had done the first couple of events in Australia and then she uh, went off tour and so I was the next person in line to go on mm-hmm. because I finished seventh and they take to the top six so <clears throat> I went to go on tour for about half the year but it wasn't enough points to re-qualify for the next year so at the same time, I was doing the pro. I think I was doing pro juniors, mm. world qualifying series, and world tour events. So I was. To-
0: I feel like I was completely burnt out mm. doing way too many events. And, and for those who don't know, surfing you have to, um, in order to qualify for the world tour, which we, which we all know from the WSL, um, you have to do the the qualifying yep, series right. circuit, yep. which is a series of. So many defenses, events, so. Yeah. yeah, all worth different varying amounts of points and then how many for the women's? Um, so it was top, top six. six. Uh
1: so if, if you finish on the bottom six of the championship tour, that's the epitome of surfing, mm-hmm. that's where you want to be. If you finish in the bottom six of that, you drop off and then the top six from the qualifying series go on. Yeah, so and you I, came seventh. Yeah. <sighs> then I kept doing the QS and the next year I finished two spots short of qualifying and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, like, and things are tough, you know, I'm like, Kind of going through so many changes, not just even becoming a woman and like trying to figure out who I am and so much. And I feel like I was just going to these contests and just like, oh, my God, like, why am I here? Like, I'm spending so much money going to these waves, which are pretty average and like getting so upset, like borderline crying because I couldn't even paddle out because I was scared of the amount of money that I was spending. And my parents were investing a lot of money into me at that Mm. time too to help me do what I was doing. And so there was so much pressure that I put on myself and like just external pressures as well to perform, to look a certain way. And it just got too much. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to compete. I am done with this. Like I am hating surfing. I hate like that people are telling me that I need – you know, you need to look a certain way, you and whatever, and I, you need to also you just oh, there was so, so to many fit into that surfer yeah, that, surfer kind of just look, like, and because I was changing a as a body woman, and, yeah, all of that, yeah. because I was a woman and I was changing, and like, yeah, like everyone goes through that, and I just feel like now some of the things that got said to me back then, I feel like God, if that got said these days, like oh my God, you mm-hmm. know, and I feel like that was pretty crushing for me to hear, so that you needed to work. lose weight, yeah, you know, and in and i couldn't there was a, there was a lot of different things but you know that was a big thing that happened to me and it's just it's pretty crushing and then also finishing very close to qualifying So mm. i was like i don't want to i don't want to do this i just want to surf and i just want to do it for me so i took a whole year off and i didn't compete and i just surfed and i did a lot of artwork which i love doing mm. um i absolutely love so i did a lot of art and surfed and then um jj my manager and boyfriend was like Why don't you, you know, you love surfing big waves. Why don't you go back to Western Australia? It's your roots. Why don't you, you know, just reach out to one of your friends. His name's um, Paul Patterson or his nickname is Ant Man, and he's really well known in the big wave uh, world. So I was like, can you please keep your eye on the radar? If there's any big swells, I just want to do something that's going to make me love surfing again Mm. and like realise like why I do it, you know, Mm. and reignite that fire. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll keep the eye on the radar. There's this one spot, me in Western Australia. It's um, one of the biggest in Australia. It picks up a lot of swell. And it um, breaks two and a half kilometers out to sea. Need a jet ski to get out there. And anyway, there's been a month passes, and then he sends an email, and he's like, hey, there's a swell on the horizon. <laughs> and... I'd seen it because these days with swell forecasting, it's like weather forecasting. You know what the yep. swell's doing without it within a week. You can see how big it is and it's all over all the surf webca- websites. It's saying double X swell swell, biggest in however long forecast to hit Western Australian coastline. I'm like, far out. Like, okay. I didn't want my introduction <laughs> to like really big wave surfing, because I'd done it before growing up in Western mm. Australia. I feel like that influenced a lot of the breaks around there and the people that I grew up surfing with influenced my love of power and bigger waves, but nothing like this. Mm. And so I was like, I didn't think my introduction to big wave surfing would be
0: like Once in a 10 year swell. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, I was like, whatever, just get on the plane. And, you know, from the Gold Coast to Western Australia, I had five hours to think about what I was doing and if this was the right decision. And um,
0: so you didn't have that long to prepare. No Going like like, I don't know. I
1: think three days or something. And I was trying to find a tow board, which are these boards that you use to tow in behind a jet ski. They're weighted because the wave moves so fast and there's so much wind. You need the board to be weighted to stick to the wave. Yeah. So I'm trying to find one of these boards because I've never bloody seen one of these or even (laughs) picked up one of these. And I picked it up and I was like, "Is this thing (laughs) even going to float?" Because it was that heavy um anyway and it was a lot quick it was a fast learning curve let's just <laughs> say that so um anyway he picked me up from the airport uh Ant-Man did and then we went down south to Margaret River and yeah that night oh my god going to sleep and he, he's a frother he was up at like 2am like pacing around like this is so exciting you know and I'm like oh (laughs) god I'm going to my death (laughs) and um anyway start uh, next morning get down to the boat ramp starting up all the jet skis and stuff and there you know there's no girls doing big wave surfing Mm -hmm. back then like this is a few Mm -hmm. years ago especially in Australia and there's this guy that walks up to me and he's like so um have you ever surfed out there? And I was like, no. And I think he was like a reporter <laughs> or something and he was like, oh, okay. You know, it's going to be big, right? And I was like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. That's
0: why I'm yeah. here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I was like, anyway, and he's like, all right, cool. Well, I'm um, come in then. Yeah. And I'm oh, like, thanks. thanks for the support. <laughs> anyway, so I went out there and um, going out there on the jet ski and my heart's like pounding a million miles an hour. We get out there and uh, because it's so far out to sea, there's long breaks in between the sets, which is the you know, every time waves come through, they become. it's called a set of waves, a long break in between these. And so there's we've rocked up and there's been a break, right? And uh, Ant-Man was like, look, have you ever really been behind a jet ski before with the tow rope and, like, practising pulling up with, you know, your tow board? So I was like, no. <laughs> so he's like, all right, well, we better practise then. So little did we know, we drifted right into the area where the wave was gonna break because you can't really tell unless yeah. when until the wave the swells come and you can yeah. start to see where they're about to form so I'm my back to the wave and anyway I'm like stuffing around trying to get up on this tow board and behind the jet ski and the biggest set of the morning comes through and he's like okay hold on because you're gonna have to hold on if you if you're gonna like get whipped out if you're like tow behind the jet ski and because I had had no idea I like let go and he's like I'm gonna have to leave you oh. and I'm like you're kidding me and at that time I had No proper inflation, which is what I wear now. Like I wear an inflation suit with the um, oxygen canisters in them. And so you pull one of those, the thing inflates and you shoot to the surface. You didn't have that? No. You just had a a a red... Yeah, like a thin PFD. So like a little bit of flotation. Okay. But still to this day, I reckon that's probably one of my longest hold downs because I didn't have very much flotation. And so I copped that first set on the head that was like three waves so that was my introduction to like really big on waves, the head. yes.
0: <laughs> and he was like, "How long were you down?" You said that was the longest you've ever been held down. Yeah, I reckon. I, like, I
1: don't know how long I would say I was down for, but and this was, was new to me. Everything was like I was like a deer in it's headlights. Not like you can you know? just quickly duck dive underneath the waves. and I had nothing to gauge it off. You know, I'd never done any other big wave surfing, so I couldn't gauge it. Like, oh, okay, this is what jaws is like, and okay, this is what it feels like. I had nothing to gauge it off. Yeah. There was nothing there, so for me, I was just like. Jesus. Yeah. yeah no. Um, and I just remember Aunt man before that said to me, um, just make sure you keep your limbs in because they could get dislocated. So I was just like this little ball and trying to um, wow. grab onto my like thin PF, like in like PFD. And anyway, um, after that, fire out the heart rate was going and it was like I'd already been through it all. And he was like, "Well, I was like, far out. That's the worst that could probably happen." So I was like, "As I said, like, so do you want one?" And I was like, <laughs> "Well, yeah." I was like, "I've already been through the worst." And so he whipped me out around the back, and the boys were so good and supportive. Like I've grown up with all those guys down there, and mm. I knew that just them seeing a female in the lineup, they were stoked, and mm. to know it was me, like little Flicky, who they grew up surfing with, or you know, they'd probably been out in the lineup and been like, "Crap, this little girl's like twelve years old and she's out here," you know. Like, <laughs> so they were all super supportive, and yeah. they whipped me. They let me have like the big (laughs) biggest waves of that day and I was you know it was it it ended up being a really positive outcome and I didn't quite realize at the time and I didn't know how big those waves really were and that's one of the most rewarding things about big wave surfing is that in the moment you don't realize how big it is and then you get to relive the whole thing again when you come in come on land and you see the photos and you see the imagery and you're like Holy. That was quite
0: big. Cuz when you're up there, well, what you just have no perspective of how big no, it is.
1: Or? And you really don't have a perspective of how big it is when you tow in behind a jet ski. Right. Because that gets rid of a lot is, of the danger. Yeah. If you're out there like in jaws in the big wave contest, you're out there on your 10 foot board in the lineup trying to make a decision whether or not to take off on a wave. You, it's there's so much more risk involved and mm. it's you see this wall of water coming towards you whereas you're on your jet ski you're holding onto the tow rope, uh, which is about, I don't know, 10 foot, 15 foot. The Jet skis towing you in and you can't really, you're yeah. especially a lot of time, if it's a right. I've got my back to the wave and you let go of the rope and you skid down the face and you don't really know what, so you're not looking at it. You're yeah, you're already yeah, facing the beach yeah, kind yeah. of thing, you know. It's so, forming
0: as you're moving. Yeah. yeah. And
1: he, I didn't realise at the time like how much of an impact that would make too. I was doing it for me. I really was doing it for me and to fall back in love with surfing. And just to, and I obviously caught this bug of like, this is what I want to do, (laughs) um, and yeah, it ended up people were questioning, oh, is this some? So this is a funny thing. It's like, is this bigger than Lane Beachley's record because she currently (laughs) held the record for biggest wave ever surfed by an Australian female? And I was like, you're kidding, like this is weird. And then all the media, yeah, Yeah. my hero. You know, did I just break my own hero's record? (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, it, it turns out um. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, we um it sent her an email. we sent her. Yeah, it yeah. turns out it was, and media were all over it. And um, anyway, yeah, she we sent her an email. I think. Being like, do you think this is bigger? And she's like, yep, that's bigger. Aww. And I was like, oh my god, this is strange. <laughs> um, so that was a funny, weird moment of my career. Have definitely. you talked to
0: Lane about that? Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think she made some passing remark or some joke one day when I saw it at some awards night. She was like, you hey, say so you beat me record, did you? <laughs> Sounds like lame. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, anyway. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird, funny moment.
0: You said before, like when you're at the top of that wave, that um, you had your back to it so you couldn't see it. But, like, what is going through your head when you're up there on the edge of those walls of water? Like, do you do you just do you swear in your head? Do you give yourself affirmations? Is there a, is there a moment? Do you get nervous? Like what, what goes through your head before you're just about to take off on those monster swells? <sighs>
1: oh, God. Um, depends on where I'm at in my life. It depends on what's motivating me at that time. Depends on a lot of different factors, I'd say. But... I've been thinking about this a lot lately and what actually motivates me to do this Mm. and why I do it. And to me, I've come to realise that I really like doing that thing and surfing and going to that place of being super uncomfortable Mm. and then growing through that because I know... And it's those hardest, like toughest places mentally. It's you push your body to the limits, but really, it's your mind that's being pushed to the limit. Mm. Like it, for you to turn around and take off on these waves and really make that commitment with no hesitation, just like fully commit, is just it, it's it's your it's your mind. And it's for me, I wrote something the other day. It was with the help of um, JJ, and it was. Uh, about fear and how i started to realize especially before jaws the jaws contest at the end of last year was that when of i was mentally in the worst place i could possibly be 2019 was personally a really hard year for me and i really wanted to be a part of this contest but i hadn't surfed a big wave in a couple of years i had an injury I thought I was so far removed from this, from this big wave scene. All the girls had been doing it, page Arms, Keala Kennelly. They'd been on every swell and I was just like, God, you know, like I feel like I'm a part of this. I am. Mm. I know I am. I'm, I can do this. And so when I initially got the invite sent through to me, an email, my first thought was do it. And so I kind of ran with that. But then at the same time I didn't want to, I was so scared of like failing. I was so scared of, (sighs) scared of succeeding as well. And, scared to go there because now that we have, uh, this, this is just, I'm just running you through like mentally what I was Mm. thinking. And then I don't know how to, how I changed this. So I guess I kind of did like a, uh, there's so many negative thoughts. Like what if I go there? We have the same opportunity. I don't take off. What if I don't take off and what if I don't catch a wave? Mm. Like I, and I didn't want to let down, like, this sounds so bad But this is the thoughts. I was like, I don't want to let down women. I want to do this. And I, if I go, I'm going to take off and I'm going to give it a crack. Mm. But I was so scared that I'd have a really bad wipeout there in the last contest that I was a part of and that really shook me up and that was running through my head and just replay, 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 Mm. just going over the falls, going over the falls and one of the biggest, most violent wipeouts ever of my life and, you know, in front of the whole world, watching online and on TV and Mm. replaying, just that was constantly replaying in my head and I was like, crap. Maybe I could just like pull out and say my back was sore again or something. Mm. And uh, anyway, and then I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bloody admit that I'm really
0: scared. Yeah.
1: You know, and I feel like you – and then at that moment I was like, you can't be brave if you're not scared. And to admit you're scared, you have to be vulnerable and you have to go there. And it's going to be uncomfortable. But I feel like for me that was one of the most – powerful things that I actually did was really admit that to myself and from there it took the power away Mm. so I acknowledged it and then I kind of went through my head of it's almost like a reframing technique of just going through all the different things that could go wrong and then all the things that could go right as well Mm. but then if the things that went wrong I just having plans in place and anyway so so trying to become as prepared as I could gaining as much knowledge off any other people that I knew um, other people as. Um, in the big wave world. And then when they made the call for JAWS to be on, uh, for so I went to Hawaii early. So I'd already been there for a month, mm. um, just warming up and I'd had a few big wave sessions, but not 40 foot JAWS. Mm. Um, I'd taken my big wave boards for a paddle. I was getting used to it, but still like there was all this doubt in my head. And anyway, and I, the event got called and I was like, just commit. And I went mm. over there, just flew to Maui. I was like, just go have a look at it. And so, one of my goals before that was even just, I wanted to surf out there outside of a contest because the only experience that I'd ever had out at Jaws was inside the most intense situation you could possibly be in during a contest. There's helicopters flying over your head. You have to sign a Mm. waiver to say that if they're, you know, that you could die in the contest, that you could die if this helicopter falls on you. Like, I'm Mm. talking, these helicopters, like, sometimes not even 10 meters above your head because they're trying to get the shot for TV and Mm. stuff. There's boats, there's jet skis, there's added pressure of the world, you sponsors, like manager, everything. And so anyway, I was like, I want to go out there and I want to have an experience, just me and the wave and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So contacted Andrea Moller and uh, she was actually invited to the event, but mm-hmm. she announced her retirement from competitive big wave surfing that year. She stepped down so that she could allow a younger generation to give it a crack. So I contacted her and and she was like... Um, yeah, I'll take you out. I'll show the lineups. I'll take you out the day before the contest, mm-hmm. and um, I'll yeah take you out in the ski, and we'll just re reenact everything we're going to do on the day mm-hmm. of the comp. And um, so we did that, and uh, it's kind of like this moment of me, like just like fully surrendering, and just okay, it's just me in the ocean, and that's it. Mm. And I'm getting out there, and she's showing me all the lineups, and i sat out there for a long time before I took off on a wave. And it was a rising swell, so it's a bit scary, so this keeps building. and but I'd really I feel like a lot of the power had been taken away uh, of from my fear because I really had admitted to myself mm. and just being that vulnerable person and just like had a cry. And I was like, hey, actually I am scared. <laughs> you know, and anyway, and that moment came, and that wave came, and I just turned around and I am quite good at once I commit, there is no hesitation. It's like even if you know you're going over the falls, <laughs> you go over the falls and you jump off that board and you get down that wave. <laughs> like you don't want to even be getting down that wave with that hesitation. You just want to be, yeah, getting it. So once I turn around, I decided this is the one. Like I rode, I remember standing up and it was super windy. I couldn't even see you paddling in blind. And I was just like, come on, you've got this. So um, I definitely had a bit of a mantra. I mean it. For me, it was like you can't be brave if you're not scared, so do it, you know. Yeah. And um anyway, and just went down this wave and I was, I was on cloud nine after that because I'd come back, I'd done it. I was like, I can do this, I'm good enough, I know mm. I am. And um, yeah, and I and then the next day we just redid the whole thing again and I ended up getting second in the world. <laughs>
0: so <I was> like, <laughs> <It's>, woo.
1: <laughs> so admitting to your fears and being vulnerable, people. <laughs> That's what it took me. (laughs) Because
0: that was the third time that you'd competed on the big wave tour. Mm. You competed the first time, so Cowbomi was 2015, Mm. then the following year 2016 was the first time that women were allowed to compete in the big wave tour at Jaws, in Maui, massive swell again. You said before something interesting I wanted to pick up on, you felt, and I guess this would be different from Cowbombie, because Cowbomi, you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. It's not really like there were cameras there, we've captured it, but yeah. if it didn't work out, then no one would ever see that vision. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> then this time the whole world's watching. But um but also being the first women in that contest, I'd imagine there'd be a lot of pressure that comes with that, not to perform just for yourself, but <gasps> for women as well. Jeez. Because there yes. was still there was still people out there that didn't think oh, you guys should have been there. And there
1: still is today, you know, and we're way we're capable. We yeah, are capable to be out that. there. And um, it's definitely getting better and better, but I felt the weight of the world. I, For one, I'd never seen Jaws. Mm. I'd never even been out there. I hadn't even competed out there. I'd never competed in a big wave contest before. Mm. I felt the weight of like, I need to do this. Like if I'm going, I have to take mm. off. But I feel like there really is something inside me that really does make me want to go mm. when I get put in these uncomfortable situations. But yeah, I've, I felt that. I felt the even I still felt it last mm. year. That what if I don't take off? Mm. What
0: you know? There's negative media that comes with that, and mm. you know that's scary. Mm. So last year was the third time that you competed on it. How different then was your surfing from that first year when you competed on the big wave wave tour? Because I'd be <laughs> interested just in what you were mm. saying about your mindset, how you were still you mm. know still thinking those things, yeah. So and still having a bit of self doubt,
1: yeah. So to be honest, my mindset was pretty similar. But I feel like I don't know what overcame me. I feel like really admitting to fear and really just acknowledging those feelings. And you've never done that before. Well, no. I feel like I was just like, I can do this. I can just nut through it and I'm fine. A bit more of an aggressive approach, I mm-hmm. think. Whereas this year I was just like, just surrender mm. and be more vulnerable, admit, acknowledge those feelings because this is normal. It's part of us. It's just, you know, you're gonna feel like it's just you just acknowledge it. Mm. Um, so that kind of took the power away, I guess. And then once I caught that first wave, I was like, right, I can do this. i got a second wave and then i got a third wave, you know, so I, I, I built momentum, mm. but it, there was definitely a slight difference, but I, my headspace, no, was not that great. So I feel like for me where this has changed now is that I feel like if that's what can happen when I haven't been completely prepared because of injury or mindset or whatever it was, mm. what can happen if I do? So, what happens if I fully prepare, give myself the best opportunities? If I'm on the jet ski all the time, I'm feeling familiar mm. with it, you know, I'm like shit, I just got second in the world. And I'm like, I didn't feel prepared, you know. That's also good to know that you can't perform when you're not know your best. But yeah. what can if I do prepare myself? So, that's a nice thought.
0: Which I find interesting because when we first met in 2015 after Cowbommy yeah. and we were talking about Cowbombie, um, you're slashy. Who's JJ, your (laughs) boyfriend slash manager? He said to me that he, you don't train that much, and you said, yeah, I don't really, really train that much, but you train a lot (gasps) now. What changed in that in that time? Because you were so into your fitness and being strong, and yeah,
1: yeah, definitely for me, a lot of stuff changed back then. I feel like I was still like what I touched on earlier. I was kind came off like just finishing one spot shy of qualifying for the world tour being told i didn't look the way that people wanted me to look Mm. and i didn't you know i was too big or whatever and i just had this unhealthy relationship with fitness and dieting and up and down and oh god whatever and i think a lot of girls a lot of women go through that Mm. a lot of men go through that everyone goes through it and then i just started doing it for me and the thing about what I started to realize is that some of my best physical milestones that I've ever reached in my life, the things, the very things that I hated about my body are the things that bloody helped me achieve that. Mm. And the moment I started to realize that I was like, I work out because I want to be strong and I want to be empowered and it Mm. makes me feel bloody good. And so now I love it. Like Mm. if I don't do it in the day, I mean, this could
0: also sound slightly
1: crazy, but, like, <laughs> I, I do go crazy. Like, I need to do it. I need my fix.
0: I need to yeah. exercise.
1: I need to eat healthy and because it makes me feel good.
0: Yeah. What mm. kind of training do you need to do to be able to do what you do on the big big surf? Uh
1: a lot of different stuff, uh, mainly breath enhancement training has yeah. been really important, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Got to hold your breath um, for quite a long time and hold your Had breath. Had you
0: done many of that before cowbombing? Because if no. you got like, held under no. for so long, you're just <laughs> lucky that you could hold your breath.
1: Yeah, I've always been pretty. Well, like I said, I've always been really comfortable in water. I I uh, did sure. s- I did squad training when I was young. I've got a got a good freestyle on me, so yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I just I'd always been comfortable. But then uh, I started doing some breath enhancement training with Nam Baldwin, and that was yeah. really good. It opened my eyes up. If you to – You haven't la- heard
0: of Nam? I think every sporting <laughs> club and association in the country goes to yes. Nam, and all the best surfers: Mick Fanning, Joel mm-hmm. Parkinson, Steph yep. Gilmore. Sally Fitz, everyone, yeah. Flick Palmaty. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll add Flick in there. Um, so <laughs> they all go to, go to Nam. He's like the genius at Breath Enhancement.
1: Yeah, he? he's incredible and he's opened my eyes up to a lot of different stuff and sports psychology and different kinds of mind training and mm. things that I never would have experienced. That's helped me not only in surfing but also in life. And uh, so that and strength and conditioning con- training obviously mm-hmm. – um, And then I I just, I love, like I do love to surf and it, you know, it doesn't have to be bloody massive every day and it's not massive every Mm. day. Um, That's the beauty of the sport. Sometimes you're just thrown into these situations because it's not like you can train for Jaws every day of the year. I mean, you can train in different ways, but not actually surfing it.
0: So talk me through, if you get wiped out and you're underwater, what happens? What do you think? What do you, what goes through your mind? Do you let yourself, because is it, you can get tossed around so much you don't even know where the surface is?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, some of the guys like I've had I've had bad wipeouts, but and I'm sure I'll probably have worse and probably have easy ones and stuff. But some of the guys have had bloody really terrible ones. Um, some mm. people have been knocked out. Some of the people uh, in the contest I was just last in, Jaws. One guy got bloody knocked unconscious. He was having neurological problems. I had mm. someone watching over him for days after the event. You know, one of the uh, best big wave surfers Billy Kemper just broke his pelvis Like it's serious You know mm. it's, And it is life or death If you knock your head Before you get a chance To pull your vest Like, mm. like And these boards That you're riding In these big wave events They're so heavy They're mm. so thick You get hit by that You get hit by the wave Weight Falling at Going down a wave At that speed too Is not like falling into water It's like falling into concrete mm. um, We wear these Impact suits Underneath our inflation suits Which help break the uh, Impact As you Yes, it's like, so you don't get winded. Mm. So we wear those. we in the inflation suits. There's a lot of safety around there. There's jet skis and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's... It's so what goes too- through your mind
0: when you're under there. Do you just let your body relax? Is that key? Or? Yeah, I,
1: ca- I, I keep my limbs in, that's for sure. Um, You definitely, I don't open my eyes. I just don't. I keep them closed and I just, I guess I just say that little mantra. you can't be brave if you're not scared and just, just that's be calm. Mantra. Be calm, be calm, be calm. Someone's there. And some people count, which is fine too. Just doing something to just distract mm. what's really going on and, yeah. And then making that decision, do I pull on my vest to, uh, you know, do I want it to inflate more because I'm not coming up here mm. that fast and I don't think I have that much oxygen left. Um, it, it's still staying there. Like I'm trying to keep calm and then I come up and I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> you know, like it's full on. And then if you don't grab onto that jet ski in time when they're coming to save you, you're getting another one on the head. Yeah, And sometimes you don't you, – sometimes you come up and the other one's right there so you bang, hit again and then it's just here we go and then you don't have any oxygen so you're onto a negative breath hold, which is really hard, which I do train for yeah. that too. So you have zero oxygen inside and you still got to hold your breath. So – and there's so many different decisions you got to make too, just – Oh, yeah, it's and it, it's exciting too, I guess. That's why we do what we do. It's, it's like nothing else in the world.
0: <laughs> What's the sound like of those waves? <gasps> to be honest, I don't
1: hear anything. <laughs> it's super weird. Like even on the wave, when I think about the contest as a whole, I feel like intense, um, like emotion, uh, It's super loud, helicopters. But when I think about what actually happens when I take off on the wave, silence. So, super weird. Mm. So maybe it's that finding that like little meditative state and Mm. that's that. Well, you know what? It's being super present in that moment and that's it. And just, it's so weird. I don't hear anything.
0: Mm. (laughs) I want to bring up, you posted this beautiful International Women's Day post, um, which was a letter to your younger self. And in it, there was something that just made my ears prick up, something I didn't know about Flick Palmateer, you said in it, always know that your mother loves you, even if you discover one day that she can never tell you.
1: Yeah, um, I've never really opened up about that much because I feel like I've been trying to deal with this and internalise it and the best I can, but basically... How long ago now? <sighs> when my mum was, it would have been only five years ago now, she was diagnosed with early onset dementia and it's called FTD, the type of dementia that she has, frontal temporal, temporal dementia. And um, she was like 45 at the time. So, you know, it's it's pretty crazy. before that I, so young. I didn't really have that, like I had moved out of home and I hadn't spoken away properly in like two years. So she got diagnosed, and I was living over here. And the way this disease goes, it doesn't end well. <laughs> but um, in the space of five years, my mum has gone from someone who, went, well, maybe six, seven years, someone who I looked at as my mum, and she still is my mum, but it's, it's crazy. She has debilitated so much to where she's in a high care facility. She can't walk, she's nonverbal, she can't wash herself, she's in a wheelchair, can't really feed herself and I can't talk to her anymore and she can't talk to me and mm. I don't know what's going on inside her head. And, yeah, it's just tough, you know. It, and for me, I, I, I find it so hard to talk about. Um, yeah, it's, it's really tough. Mm. And I feel like I haven't really properly had a conversation with my mum since I was, like, 18, you know, and I feel I have this conversation. I've got two, three younger brothers now, <laughs> I've got... We're two brothers with my same mum and dad. Like mm. we feel like we don't have, like I I feel like I'm missing out. I'm I'm missing my mum. I'm missing mm. that person to go to and have those chats, you know, that you do with your mum and your daughter. And I, and it's sad. And just recently, uh, you know, it, this thing could be genetic. And to discover that, that holy crap, this could be. My future and to go mm. on in and see my mum every day like this, and this could be my impending future within 15 years is 15. freaking really tough, mm. really tough. So it's overwhelming, and um, yeah, it's I'm still trying, to, still trying to deal with it, really. Mm. You got to take some sort of positives from every situation, and it's like, well, it's brought my brothers and I a lot closer together, mm-hmm. a lot of my family, but um, it's also given me this this kind of a weird attitude towards big wave surfing in particular. Of like, I'm just going to go and live life and just do it, <laughs> literally. Yeah. What's the point in worrying about something that I have no control over, no 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 idea, and you know, I'm living a bloody amazing life right now. Mm. And maybe it is slightly helping me with that and pushing me over the limit a little bit in certain areas of life that maybe I wouldn't usually have done that.
0: You say in five years she's gone downhill so oh, yeah. quickly. Does that make it, I mean, you're away all the time. Do you oh, yeah. When you go back, do you like, I, I imagine you would see how far she's gone down even becomes more apparent to you when you're. Away all the time and then oh, you come yeah. back. How yeah.
1: tough is that? Oh, this, this is the thing and I feel like I've, I carry this sense of guilt that I'm not there enough, that I'm being selfish in doing what I'm doing. But then I think that she would want me to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. But it definitely is tough. Like I go back there and she's deteriorated more and I think I notice it more because mm. I'm, no I, I'm away a lot and my, my brothers are there, they're at the forefront and far out like I yeah, I feel like I need to be there more for them, you
0: know. Like that's the thing that upsets me the most is like I just feel like I wasn't there enough. But she would want you to live your life how you want to live your life and you're living yeah. your life how you want to live your life. Yeah. it's And you do know that.
1: Yeah, I know. It's just it's tough and, you know, it's tough for everyone else around. I think this disease. They
0: say that with dementia, it's,
1: don't it's they? It's so hard. It's like I'm looking at my mom. And it's, it's
0: a lot to deal with. <laughs> And they do say that about dementia, it's harder for the people around. Yeah. I can imagine. Mm,
1: But the thing is, it's like, oh, you could say, or maybe I could get this thing, but it's like, well, on Dad's side of the family, someone (laughs) had a heart attack, then someone had this and someone had this. I was like, (laughs) you know, far out, who bloody knows? Yeah. So there's no point in worrying because who bloody knows what's going to happen?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Why talk about it now? Why is there something that you've, like if it's been going on for five years and you've kept this really strong figure and this strong face all the time, this strong public face flick, like, Um, is it something like admitting that you were scared last year? Yeah,
1: because I've noticed invulnerability is like relatability and you have way better, deeper connections with people and... People understand you more, and I don't care what people say. If you, uh, the most, like, you just have to be raw and open and real because that's when you have true connections with people. Mm. And I think you, regardless in life, you're going to feel these things. You're going to be happy. You're going to be sad. You're going to be like full of joy. And sometimes you're going you're to experience loss. I don't, like, everyone's going to have these moments in life. And I think acknowledging those feelings and knowing that everyone goes through this. Mm. You know, at some point.
0: Thank you for, for sharing that and being so so honest about it. I'm so sorry that you've had to go through that with with your mum. Is there anything you would want to say to your mum if you or you want to hear from her?
1: <laughs> oh, just the I guess the I love you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know you take this stuff for granted so much, but yeah. Fire, yeah. Like If I can just, everyone, spend time with your friends and family because you just have no idea. Just even just to, like, stand next to her and, like, properly hug her would be amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like, I can still hug her and tell her these things,
0: but it's hard. (laughs) So, yeah. And I'm going to call my mum after this as well. Yeah. So take your advice. saying that where to next for Felicity Palmtier what's the next <sighs> um what's the next milestone what's the next goal so for me uh,
1: uh, after my experience at jaws last year if that's what can happen when I'm not prepared what can happen if I am and I want to give myself the best possible opportunities I want to be on all the swells I'm I'm gonna uh, base myself more out of Western Australia. That's my home. There's a lot of people there that want to see me do well. All the boys there. I grew up surfing with mm-hmm. them. Um, I want. I just want more experience in the ocean. And the more I, the more you are in there, the more you realize you don't know. Um, so I just want more experiences in the ocean. I want to ride big waves. And then I've got the trials coming up for the Margaret River Pro. Um, So I'd love to win those. Mm. That's my home. I've won it twice. I feel Mm. like I'm in my element there, especially if there's more more bigger, more powerful waves. I really feel like I can take it to the girls on the CT. Mm -hmm. So win that is definitely a goal. And then just to gain as much experience and just, you know, let's see what can happen if I really do give it my
0: all, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We finish every podcast off with a simple question. Yeah. what advice would you give your 10-year-old <laughs> self? Um, I probably want to
1: say to my younger self is that you're going to be in times when it's going to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it's going to you're going to hate it. It's going not going to be nice. And it might be personally, physically, emotionally, whatever it is, but know that within those moments comes growth and in that growth is like the true reward, you know, when you come out of that, uh, out of the end, whether it be physical, if it's a physical milestone, you'll look back and you are like, oh, my God, like Jaws, you did it. You're good enough, you know. You can do this mentally, like emotionally. Those times when it really sucks, <laughs> you're going to get through it. Mm. You really do, um, especially around working out and getting fit, you know. Do it because it makes you feel strong and empowered and don't do it for anyone else but you surf for you train for you and know that yeah in those uncomfortable situations you know and it's pressure that forces growth and without it <laughs> you know then it's those moments in time that you're chasing the ones where you, where everything stands still they're the ones you know surfing and painting and being expressive that's what i would say
0: it's beautiful yeah <laughs> Thank you for being on on Her Game and thank you for sharing your story and being so raw and honest.
1: Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: On Her Game was presented by me, Sam Squires, producer, Lindsay Green, audio producer, Darcy Thompson, executive producer, Jennifer Goggin.